Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Well, hey, everybody. What's going on? Today is Monday. It's the 19th of September, 2022. Let's jump in with our contact info, and then we'll get the show started. If you head over to the website, which is firearmscafe.com, You'll find all my social media stuff as well as a PayPal donation button there, and you can click on that and follow the on-screen prompts. If you would like to support the show but financially kind of isn't in the cards for you right now, I would ask that you either send in feedback for the show or just go ahead and mention it on any of your other social media platforms if you think anybody out there would enjoy the show. If you'd like to contact me, there is the email address, which is firearmscafe at protonmail.com. All one word, firearmscafe at protonmail, P-R-O-T-O-N-M-A-I-L.com. Also on the website, if uh, if you go over there, when you see the individual show things on, on on the site, the uh, the email address and stuff is over there as well. So, all right, I think that's about it for that stuff. So let's start the show. A little bit of behind the scenes stuff. I messed up my back a little bit, and so I'm kind of a little discombobulated a little bit. Maybe my train of thoughts aren't that great uh, right now. Uh, I'm, I'm getting better. I thought I was recovering. And then I kind of went down again, and now I'm, I think I'm sort of on the mend. So hopefully not too much longer, and I'll be all right. I'll be kind of back to my in my fighting spirit, so to speak. Let's jump in with our ATF minute that is not a minute. So what's going on with the ATF? And the latest thing that I heard, and again, if I give any information that's incorrect or maybe I've got the timelines messed up, go ahead write in or record your own audio and uh, like I said I'll put that on the show for you and let me know. It seems the latest thing is the 80% receivers and some of those things that looks like there's been an injunction granted and I don't know exactly what that's going to mean. I I think eventually like we've talked about before what's going to happen is that things like those 80% and things like the the uh, kits and stuff that we've talked about in previous shows, they're not really going to be able to regulate them in the way that they want. It's sort of the same thing with uh, with uh, suppressors or silencers, whatever you want to call them. The ATF can't in on Monday say, oh, these are firearms, and then on Tuesday say, no, they're not. They're not firearms. And so in each case, we can regulate them. We can make the argument for, for whichever. The reality is, until we had the Bruin decision, which was uh, was it New York uh, State Rifle and Pistol Association or something like that versus Bruin. But basically it came down with very specific rulings and very specific criteria that would have to be met if you're going to try and regulate or restrict an individual's ability to own a firearm or, or certain accessories, things of that nature. So I think we're going to see lots and lots of challenges come through. Most of them, I think, will probably win. It's similar in the past when we, when Heller first came through, and this was, you know, a few years ago, 
And everybody thought, oh, with the Heller decision, that's going to change everything. And it didn't really change much. But I think what it did is it paved the way for the Bruin decision and how the Bruin decision was written and how it's going to be interpreted. And once sort of the, what do we want to say, the interpretation gets set in precedent, I think a lot of things won't necessarily make it back up to the Supreme Court. They may go to some higher federal courts, but the federal courts are going to say, look, this is already established in in." in law we we understand kind of what this means we under we understand how we're supposed to look at it it has to be with uh, strict scrutiny and with strict historical context those type of things so like i said it will be very very interesting to see what happens the next big thing is going to be the um and we've talked about before but will be the pistol braces and what i had said previously and we'll kind of rehash this a little bit, but again, I don't think they're going to be able to say that they've had a history of regulating this type of thing or doing this because even in their own internal documentation and things that were released, they were saying, well, one day it's one thing, you know, Monday it's this, Tuesday it's that, Wednesday it's this, Thursday it's back to that. So it's a yes, it's a no, it's a yes, it's a no, it's a yes. And that's kind of what they ended it on. And now it seems they're going back to no. So I think that there are, there will be people that are, who who have bought. So, well, let me kind of work around this here a little bit. It seems like the main thing is, let's say that if you had just bought a pistol brace, but you didn't put it on anything, that's different than if you, at least this was the kind of the past interpretation. It was different than if you bought something from, you know, Palmetto State Armory, from Primary Arms, from Daniel Defense. I don't know if Daniel Defense sells something like that, but let's say if you had bought something that was a, a lower or a complete firearm that came with a brace. And so I think what they're, what they what they said in the past is when they were originally trying to change the ruling on it or their interpretation was that, Oh, in the past we said it was okay, but now no, that's clearly a way to get around. And it's, it's you having a short barrel rifle. But again, everything was done according to interpretation. And there's probably what 20 to at a minimum 20 million braces out there, probably more so, some that are on firearms, some that are not. Some, I'm sure some some people bought some and said, oh, I'll, you know, I'll buy a couple of these because I'll have one as a spare or if I want to make another pistol build, I'll, I'll already have the brace for me, but I just have the braces sitting here. So it seems like it, what they're wanting to do now is they're kind of going to do that thing that they were trying to do with solvent traps and suppressors where they're going to say it's going to be constructive intent. Again, I don't think that stuff is going to hold up. I think ultimately what will happen will be that the designation or the way rifles and pistols are designated are going to have to be sort of, oh, I don't know, um, Sort of codified, I guess, or or where they're going to have to have stuff that actually makes sense. And, and you know, we, a few shows ago we talked about well, you could take an AR-15 pistol with a brace on it, put it on a table, 
you could take a thing that's built the exact same way, let's say with a, an eight inch barrel. You could take another one with a with a an actual stock on it as opposed to a brace. And then you could say which one is the pistol and which one is a rifle. And if somebody didn't really know, if you just showed it to somebody, you'd say, well, I don't, I, I can't tell. There's no way that I can tell. And then again, too, if you took a 16-inch AR and put it on a table, and if you took a 14-inch AR or a 14-and-a-half-inch barreled AR that had a 1-and-a-half uh, a or a 2-inch pendant welded muzzle device on there and you set them both on a table and you said which one is a, which one is considered a short barrel rifle which one is considered a normal rifle and then if you had a third one and you had a pistol brace and you just stuck it on there again every you know and it and it has the uh 14 and a half inch barrel but it has just a regular a2 flash hider on there that's just screwed on it's not pinned or welded or anything and you put the three of them on there and you say okay which you know which is which which one would you get in trouble for the average reasonable person would be able to say i don't i, I don't know it doesn't it doesn't seem to make any sense your designations and it's the same thing again with with you know why is this a pistol why is this a rifle most your average person who's not super deep into gun world like the majority of us are, would have no idea. So it, it, it doesn't pass the reasonable man test. And that's why I think a lot of this stuff is going to be challenged. And they're going to say, well, a, a reasonable person would assume that all of these are rifles. And then if you even show them kind of a short one, they would say, well, that's kind of a rifle too. The only thing is the barrel's a little shorter. So I think that some of that stuff is going to be maybe taken away the reality is is what we should do is just get rid of the whole short barrel rifle and short barrel shotgun designations those should just go away i think the average person would then be able to say oh okay that one's a rifle but it's just got a little shorter barrel or that one's a pistol but it's it's still a pistol it's still a handgun but it's got a little attachment like on a glock how you can put in the back you can put in the the little stock and then you can have it have a little handy stock on there and they said no and they would say no that's that's still a pistol it doesn't matter whether you put a stock on it or not or you put a you know some little other another little piece of plastic up on the front of it it's not going to make any difference whatsoever will that stuff be challenged i think eventually it will yeah it may not be for a while but i think eventually what's going to happen is other than probably full auto weapons, I don't think those will ever come off. I always had kind of thought in the back of my mind that eventually things like the short barrel rifle fiasco and that designation would be challenged. I'd often thought that the idea of the suppressors being an NFA item, something you have to register and pay a tax on, would be challenged and eventually all that stuff would be overturned. I don't know how you can say, well, we want to get down. I guess we can talk a little bit about that. Would there be more crimes committed with shorter barreled AR-15s and things like that? You know, probably, but probably even with that, a handgun is so much easier to conceal 
than the smallest, shortest little AR pistol that you can come up with. And the same thing, you know, with a shortened up AK, it's, you're going to be, it's going to be way easier for you to conceal something like a Glock 26 or a Glock 43, uh, was it 43 or, um, who was it who makes that 365? Is it, is it SIG? Uh, or, you know, or even, you know, some of the smaller HKs or, you know, there's a whole host of stuff that's out there. Some of the small, the shields things like that. Those are all tiny little guns that are extremely easy to conceal. And then if you look at something like a uh, the Rugers, the LCPs, and the LCRs, tiny little guns, easy to conceal. So this idea that, that by having these things regulated, you're going to have less people, that, that you're somehow really and realistically making an actual difference in the crime rates is is ridiculous on its face if and if you just take any even a cursory look you you would be able to understand that stuff so anyway that's going to kind of wrap it up for our atf minute that's not a minute and let me know what you guys think let me know what you guys are hearing if i got something wrong or if my timelines are a little off let me know let me know what you think is going to happen uh, do you think the agency is going to be eventually disbanded? Uh, do you think it's going to be something that things are going to have to be much more well, sort of etched in stone for last, lack of a better term or phrase there? So anyway, hope to hear from you guys soon. All right, let's talk a little bit about a little bit of gunsmithing that I did. And that is I have on my rumble channel and i think i've got on the youtube channel as well on my 10 millimeter i had put on the front site of the suppressor site or you could even call it maybe like an optics ready site so it's a higher site on the front of the of the gun and then today i uh, finished up putting on the rear sight and it, it uh, the rear sight course goes on super easy just drifts in and i use the Ameriglows, looking at it here, the GL429. So they're 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 blacked out. There's no there's no dots. There's no tritium. There's there's no glow in the dark stuff. They're just plain back sights, which are primarily there as a oh a backup. If if the uh, if the glass ever went down, I can at least you know get have reference if if the dot ever went down. The reality is, though, too, is with that front sight and your rear window on your optic, it kind of becomes like a giant ghost ring, so it would at least kind of help you line up if you needed to. But I will put that uh, final follow-up video probably on Rumble in the next couple of days or so. Hope This show should drop today, which is the 19th, so maybe in the next couple of days or so I'll, I'll get that out. Like I said, my back's kind of messed up a little bit. So uh, luckily, doing this stuff doesn't require heavy lifting. So, uh, But I put that on, like I said, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get that thing out. I tell you, the more I've shot that 10 millimeter, the more I like it. It's just a fun gun. I can see why people have sort of that, uh, what, do you, what do you want to call it? The cult of the 10 millimeter or the fan club of the 10 millimeter. It's just a fun gun. Now I haven't shot real high-powered stuff. I've just shot, excuse me, shot 
a little mush mash yeah mush mouth there good heavens i've just shot the s and b 180 grain flat nose full metal jacket on there i was surprised it was it's a little tiny bit snappier maybe a little but not really that much uh, it's it's different than shooting a 45 it's of course it's different than shooting a nine it's a little bit more but with with the gun that i have because i have the 20 i have the full size Did you hear that tap in the barrel uh maybe that that little bit of extra weight kind of helps and also i'm sure these are just regular run-of-the-mill run-of-the-mill 10 millimeter they're not anything special it's not like i'm shooting under under what is it under wood i think that's it which i want to try some of those out they're a little pricey though i want to try out some underwood the extreme penetrator and then the extreme hunter I've looked at and watched some videos of some of the guys up in Alaska uh, who do a lot of testing with the 10 millimeter. 10 millimeter has become sort of the, oh, what would you say? Maybe go-to round to carry up in there because you can get some good penetration, especially if you're shooting stuff a little bit hotter. Now, I, I think I told you before that I have a KKM pre precision barrel uh, that I put in there, and I did that primarily so that I could be able to shoot pretty much any ammo that I want. Now, the, oh, what would we say, the downside, I guess, or what, what has been reported as the downside of using that uh, KKM barrel is supposedly you may not get as much reliability with as, as, a, as, a, with as wide a variety of ammo as you would with the stock barrel. Now the stock barrel, I think the way that the chamber, I think is maybe a little bigger uh, or a little, well, I don't even know if bigger is the right word. If it is maybe not as precise as something like a KKM barrel. And again, we're not talking you know, oh, that's a quarter inch smaller, or this or that. It's you know, it's it's small enough, and I think maybe the maybe the feed ramp is a little bit different. Um, so there may be some stuff where it may not like a particular ammo. So maybe with some of the flat nose stuff, it may not want to feed as reliably. When I went out and shot, and I shot only with the uh, on this last time, I shot only with the KKM barrel. I had one, I think it was a failure to feed. It ejected, but it didn't feed right. Now, again, is, is there going to be maybe some sort of, of break-in time with it? That I don't know. Maybe some of if you guys out there have the uh, KKM barrels that, or you've had even some other aftermarket stuff, did you have any break-in periods? Did you have any failures to feed? And like I said, I've only been able to right now have the one brand of ammo so that's kind of all i have for right now and i do want to try some other stuff see how it likes it see see if there's anything that kind of hangs up i also want to try some uh, certain defensive rounds like i'd mentioned that underwood uh, i think it's called extreme defender maybe it's just it's, it's maybe it's just defender i also wanted to try 
some of the federal um, hydroshock and some of you know I always um, well let me name one other and then uh, what's that other one I was looking at the other day oh the Hornady defense the critical duty because it already has sort of that little plug in there that type of thing lots of people seem to like that uh, what I was gonna say is that I always really like the Remington Golden Sabre I don't know if they I haven't heard a whole lot of that I, I, I assume they still make it uh, but that's what I carried for years one of the reasons I liked carrying that ammo is I never had any problems with it feeding reliably ejecting any of that stuff with any of the handguns that I had it always worked part of it as I felt that the geometry of the actual projectile or the actual bullet they're still hollow points but it, it kind of tapered in around that hollow point if that makes more sense so it wasn't such a giant hole for the hollow point that you might have some problems with the feed ramp uh, I know too that you can do stuff if it seems like oh it's the maybe the feed ramp that you can kind of get in there and not necessarily remove any material but just go in there and kind of polish it and smooth it uh, you can also sort of get that I think as time goes on with your gun and everything like that so anyway that's I think about it as far as maybe some little gunsmithing projects I did I think I also put I, I swapped out I bought two sets of the Ameriglos and I think I I think I talked to you guys about it but I also put one set on the uh, on the a Glock 19 that I have and that also has an RMR on it you know an interesting thing one of the things that I found with that is at least the way that that sort of my eyes work is I think you could almost get away with having a taller rear sight because when you when you look through the back and you at least for me what I found is I could kind of look through that back and if I had that rear sight sort of lined up even if the front sight wasn't perfect that I would that red dot would just appear for me so you know take that kind of with a, a grain of salt or whatever yeah, whatever you want with that but another interesting thing is and I I don't know if I've talked about before but I have one of the Holosun it's the Vulcan and it what it is is that's it's the it has a chevron in the middle and then it has the big circle all around it so that if you've got the pistol too low you'll see the bottom of the circle so you'll know oh that's where I need to I need to bring the bring that circle kind of down so I technically I guess you'd have it up too high if you had it too low you'd see the top part of the circle if it was too far if the gun was pointed too far to the left you'll see the right side of the circle and so you can kind of bring that back and then you'll see the chevron and actually once you start doing it it's it's actually pretty quick you know an interesting thing about iron sights versus the the red dots and uh, all the op different op it doesn't matter what brand of optic but you still have some people out there that are kind of against it uh, that say oh you should you know you uh, the, I guess maybe we'd call them traditionalists that say well you need to just stick with your iron sights or learn on iron sights this that and the other thing but the problem is if you're somebody like me and your eyes 
aren't what they were when you were 16 years old or 25 years old, the iron sights may not necessarily work for you, especially if you are nearsighted and you have you have glasses that are going to correct for that so that you can see you know your distance stuff and part of the thing is if you're nearsighted you it means you generally will see things up close when you go to look through the and line up your sights with irons if you're nearsighted it actually can work out pretty good but then let's say if you if you didn't have your vision correct so you're not wearing your contacts or your glasses or something like that you can see the front and rear side of that pistol pretty good at least in my case i still can but everything else is a blur what i found is that when i went with the with the red dots whether it's that chevron that holosun vulcan or, or the trigicon or some of the other holosuns that i have that for me and you know people use this expression all the time but game changer excuse me game changer there we go that for me was a game changer because what it allows you to do although I, I have a bad habit that I'll tell you about here in a second it allows you to just stay on the target and then bring that gun up and then you can use that millisecond if you want to use your sights to line it and then and find that red dot or if you just work on your presentation and to worry that red dot is always there that type of thing uh, and of course there's there could be situations where maybe you're on the ground and you can't line it up, but you can kind of see it a little bit. And that's what's neat about that Vulcan is you, if you're in a, a non-traditional shooting position or if you're kind of on the ground, you can use that thing to orientate your, your, your Chevron or your dot or whatever, however you want. Now, another thing too with that big circle with the Chevron with, on that Vulcan you can turn that outer circle off if you want, if it bothered you. So you can you can do that, and it does save on battery life a little bit. And of course, you know you have the people that say, "Oh, you know that's it. The batteries, the batteries are going to be your downfall. You're going to depend on that one day, and it's not going to be there." But it's the same thing, you know. But those and those same people will say, "But you always got to carry a flashlight." So they they have the wherewithal to be able to change out a flashlight battery, but not a battery on their optic, you know. Uh, a lot of times people are just looking for excuses not to switch over to something that they don't like or that they, because they don't like it, then it can't be for anybody else. So again, people can use whatever they want. I can use what I want. You can use what you want and they can, and never the twain shall meet type thing. That can be fine. Uh, for me, like I said, the, the red dot is a game changer for me and then going forward. I think it's going to allow me to be able to, oh, just have way more options than I would without it. And they're just going to get better and better over time. I don't know if I'd mentioned before, I think I've maybe mentioned it in some videos that I've done, is that uh, with this red, uh, red dot, good heavens, with this 10 millimeter slide, I am going to get it milled for a red dot and I think what I'm going to do for the 10 millimeter because that's going to be my woods gun or wilderness gun or hiking gun what I want to get is that I think it's the 509 that's and if I'm wrong I'm wrong on that but just you know let me know uh, but I think it's the 509 that is the completely enclosed emitter and so I'm going to I'm going to uh 
kind of wait around until that comes on on sale and then I'll get that and then I'll have uh, I'll take it down to um, South I think it was Southwest Precision Arms where I got all my other stuff milled I'll take it down to that guy and have him go ahead and mill that out and and uh, get it milled out the best for me so that I can have that so uh, right I think that's about it uh, is there anything else maybe this Wednesday or next Sunday or so we'll talk a little bit depend a lot of it will depend on kind of how my back's doing and stuff but we'll talk a little bit about maybe getting into some what we'll call not necessarily police reform but maybe the criminal justice system maybe that's a better way to do it and we can talk about a lot of different things I can tell talk a lot about some of my experiences that I had in the court as a probation officer and all that kind of stuff and I'll tie that into some of our uh, my ideas and I'd love to hear from you guys too about judicial reform police reform agencies that aren't necessarily local police agencies where they have tons and tons of contact with the public but you know other agencies like ATF FBI DEA things things of that nature and even unfortunately what we're going to have to deal with now is going to be IRS and all those other type of things there's tons and tons of agencies that you wouldn't think like Department of Education I think that's I think they have their own armed uh, armed squad I think the Food and Drug Administration has their own I could be wrong on some of these but I know I know for sure IRS does and some other things but anyway I think let's go ahead and wrap it up so if you would like to contact me I'd love to hear from you the email address to send either your written email or any audio that you've recorded and I'll get those out on the show for you is firearms cafe at proton mail p r o t o n all right my friends I will talk to you guys next time